Oh, hello. Oh, hi. We didn't see you there. <laughs> well, no, there's we no didn't. guests today, we still though. Don't. It's just us. Yes. Just back to basics. <sighs> Good old Goose Chase. The the the, old, the the classic team. Yeah. The old one-two punch. Rizzoli and Isles. What? Yeah, that's it. Crime, true crime. That's not true crime. It's uh, one of those detective shows or some bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for the some bullshit. <laughs> you know, like the classic, the classic teams. Yeah. It's not even that classic. That show's like from like seven years ago. I'm trying to think of other classic teams, and for some reason, I know I'm drawing a blank. That's why Rizzoli and Isles. <sighs> you understand? Whoever's listening to this is like. Screaming names Yeah Like obvious teams that we can't think of Like peanut butter and jelly Yeah <laughs> Yeah Yeah They're they're a team <laughs> They're, they're a, a team. team They're best together It's true Although I'm, I'm kind of a jam man myself I'm fairly discerning well, about what I put on my sandwich <laughs> Same difference Anyway <laughs> uh yeah, Baby, we're back. Let's not discuss this on the podcast. We'll have this argument again later. We're not going to do the peanut butter thing on the podcast. <laughs> Crunchy is like, best. No, 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 no. Crunchy. You are wrong. Way. You are but so I'm wrong. So very right. No, you are not. Just uh, so everyone knows, if there's ever like a weird murder suicide thing that happens between <laughs> us, or we get divorced, we'd have to get married first. But yeah. we'd get divorced. It's because of the crunchy peanut butter, That's creamy the peanut thing. butter. <laughs> That's going to be the thing that does it. That's what sets us off. <laughs> I, you know, frankly, I don't even know how crunchy even has an argument. A no, no leg to stand on. Because no leg to stand on. Texture. It's an unpleasant texture overall. No. Yes, it is. It's very pleasant. It becomes almost painful. I mean. Some people get off on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I don't know. This is like this, this, this will never be resolved. It's potato, potato. You like creamy. I like crunchy. Yep. I have infiltrated this household's cupboards with my crunchy <laughs> peanut butter. There is still some crunchy hiding in there somewhere. Yeah. You push it to the back every time you I use do. your creamy and I push mine to the forward, <laughs> to the forward, to the front every time I use the crunchy. It's mm -hmm. an ongoing duel. Yeah. And I will just like to point out that at one point in time when we first started dating and we ver the very first time we had this argument, you were okay. like, crunchy peanut butter will never be found in my household. <laughs> you do like a very hard line on this. I, did I really? And then somewhere like <laughs> a year later or so, I tempted it and I was like, I'm going to sneak a little bit of crunchy peanut butter in here for when I want some PB&Js. Test the I waters. And I put it in the cupboard, and I just waited to see what happened. And you noticed it, but you said nothing. So I was like, all right. Right. <laughs> I, you know, maybe I've been a little bit more radical in the past, but I think I'm well, kind of like Well, also, you might have been intoxicated at the time that you made that <laughs> true, statement. So. True. Might have been just like I'm making grand declarations <laughs> with my finger pointed in the yeah. air. You were pretty adamant, but <clears throat> yeah. I like to push boundaries. Yeah, I could see that. So now there's crunchy peanut butter in the house. Yes, there is. You don't have to like it. I don't. But you do have to deal with it. <laughs> or just dispose of it when you're not looking. Do not waste that money. And throw jars of peanut butter away. One do not do other. that. <laughs> I will punch you in your kidneys. Oh, okay. 
Well, that's a good reason I not will to do not that. punch you in your kidneys. Dave is not in need of a domestic abuse group. I do yeah. not hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to state for the record that we don't punch each other. We don't punch each other. No. Any bruises are accidental or from roller derby. Right. Yes. <laughs> Which am, is a real fear of Dave's. I'm still concerned about that. This is going to come a time where we're going to go out in public and you're going to be covered in bruises and I'm going to have to, like, deal with the angry looking stares of strangers, <laughs> you know, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll have to tell them she fell down and, they're ne- and no, that's going to be worse. But you don't say she fell down. You say she plays roller derby. I know. And then they say, oh, really? You don't say she fell down. <laughs> On skates in a pack of other people yeah. who were trying to make her fall down. I know. That's suspicious. I know. Don't do the suspicious thing. I won't, I won't thing. do the suspicious thing. You're right. That's a good argument. <laughs> um, what else we got? Um, I lost my notebook. You lost your... Oh, yeah. That's You still haven't found it. No, it's not down here. It's probably in my bag and I just didn't see it. Or it. I put it somewhere weird in my room at my mom's house. So... I'll find it. It's yeah. just MIA for the moment. So That's I have right. I'm back to regular paper notes for we're now. Down a gnome book for this. We're down uh, a gnome book. And, and, you know, I feel a little off my game without it. Yeah. A little naked. <laughs> okay. Because um, I'm so I'm used sorry. to having it. But that's all. And then um, something cool is happening in my world of roller derby. For the first time since I started, we're having an official recruitment day. Oh, that's cool. Because we always put the word out like, hey, like, we're always recruiting. Mm-hmm. Come and check it out. But I understand, like, people feel uncomfortable going, knowing that they might be one of the only new people. Yeah. And being intimidated, because I was, I pushed through it, but it was really intimidating mm-hmm. to just show up and be like, I'm new. What do I do? Yeah, right. So we're having a recruitment day. I believe it's the 18th of this month, so a couple weeks. Okay. It's a Monday, which is one of our normal practice days. And basically, we're just going to get people geared up and on skates and show them some basic stuff and see how they like it and if it's something they want to continue. And also emphasize, like, men and women are both welcome. Mm -hmm. And though we don't have men on the team they can always ref or we can get you info about like where there are men's roller derby teams Mm -hmm. there's one in cleveland one in pittsburgh um and we always need non-skating officials and we need referees and we need people to play so if you have any interest in roller derby check that out yeah little steel derby girls that's on the facebook page i'm super excited about that because we need we need fresh meat yeah Right. We need because people you who want to do this thing. Because you must feast or you shall die. Yes. You require meat. Yes. <laughs> the souls of the willing. Yeah. And um, it's just disappointing to me that more people don't know about it. And I understand that you kind of need to have like a specific headspace and be in a certain place in life to be able to do this. Because it, it's a hobby, but it's an expensive hobby. And so I get that it's not for everyone, but it's disappointing that it's not for more people. Yeah. Because it's brought so much joy to my life and it's improved me as a person, I think, in so many ways. Like my confidence and feeling stronger and working through 
issues and being more assertive mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Not to mention discovering stuff about myself off the track. Yeah. Like things that I'm good at that I've had to do to help my team out. Like the fundraising thing and all that. Like it has contributed to who I am as a person and I've grown as a person just by being part of it. Not to mention everyone on the team is awesome and I consider every single one like my good friends. Yeah. So it's sweet. Come hang out with us. Join our weird little derby cult. You'll love it. I think that would be not this Monday, but the Monday following. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, What else we got? um, Well, March 2nd is a spaghetti dinner for roller derby. I'm just going to keep saying that. (laughs) Okay. Because people need to come to that and eat spaghetti and bid on baskets and have a generally awesome time. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else I have to cover. Nothing. I, I'm, I'm, because I'm like I didn't want to talk about my car accident because it's a bummer. But it happened. We but it happened. About what happened? And I'm pissed but about you're, it. You're relatively okay. You're yeah. got some muscle soreness, which is to be expected yeah. when you're in a car accident. Uh huh. Yeah. So I'm I'm mostly pretty lucky because I didn't get injured like seriously. But my car is totaled, which pisses me off. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna have to deal with that sometime in the next week, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm gonna get a new car. And man, here's the thing about car shopping. There are so many emasculating vehicles for sale. <laughs> there are so many and for so cheap. Yeah. Like if I want to squeeze my fat ass into a Chevy Spark, I could do that for like 4000 bucks. Yeah. I don't want to. It's unpleasant. Yeah. It's like a clown car to me and I, I, I don't want one. Yeah. But those are kind of like the low end options. I get you. So I just I, I I would like to drive a car that I don't hate myself for driving. Car shopping is stressful. Yeah. And the cheap options are not <clears throat> usually the ones that you want. Yeah, right. But you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. Yeah. So that's this week. I mean, hopefully no, nah, probably not by next episode, but at some point soon I will be able to report what only moderately emasculating vehicle I selected to drive myself around in. We will figure something out. Yeah. So that's happening. All right. Also, I'm on muscle relaxers, and they're not as fun as I heard. <laughs> I've never been on that one, I don't think. Yeah. The the ones that I have taken, that I wouldn't necessarily describe them as fun, but okay. they knock me out, which oh. is in itself delightful because I'm an insomniac, so... Yeah. Anything that makes my eyes feel droopy and, like, super heavy within 30 minutes, I'm like, what is this? Yeah, right. Like, I don't care about painkillers. You can keep those. Just give me the muscle relaxers. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that I'm before. Okay. Like, they're, apparently, they're Probably nice. for me, because I've said it multiple times. Yeah. Well, I think even, uh, I think Chris might have said the same thing about it, because he asked yeah. specifically what kind I had, and uh, I told him, but the ones that he had taken before were Flexorols. Flexorol kind of does it to me. I think what I took before might have been Tizanidine. Yeah. I think that was the one that, like, knocked me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But this is not a fun one. It doesn't. It doesn't it make doesn't me feel. It. It's not even well, yeah, taking the, my pain away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing taking it. Mm, I'm sorry. That's yeah, alright. Y'all hang in there. Yeah. It'll be okay. I know you're frustrated <laughs> right yeah. now. 
I'm car accidents frustrated. suck. Insurance sucks. Oh. Getting a new car sucks. Everything sucks. So this is an interesting thing that people might not know about when you are involved in an accident is that you, almost immediately you start getting phone calls. This is a thing I didn't realize because I'd never been in anything more than a fender bender. Yeah. But one of the first things that happens is all these people start calling you trying to set you up with a chiropractor for some reason. Yeah, which pisses me off. Yeah. So I got a call like the next day and uh, I just assumed it was with someone that was affiliated with my insurance and they mm-hmm. kind of buried the lead on it. So <clears throat> I, they, it got me, they got me to agree to a chiropractor appointment, which I don't even really I don't necessarily buy chiropractic. You know, I don't I don't necessarily know that but whatever i think, it works for I, think some I can have its place i yeah. just i don't think it should necessarily be the first thing the yeah. first step right i i think getting checked out by another doctor and all that stuff is probably step one mm-hmm. and also anything a stranger tries to sell to me on the phone no yeah <laughs> well, like I, I assumed this was through insurance. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know why I assumed that, but by the time we were done talking, I had booked an appointment at a chiropractor on Monday <sighs> that I didn't go to. Yeah, um, but it was a weird thing. So they call you, like all these people, because there's tons of people like this. I didn't realize a cottage industry had sprung up around getting you to a doctor that someone's there's because insurance many will pay for it. varieties of ambulance chasers. Yeah. Yes, many varieties, lawyers and these groups that try to book you appointments. And 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 I've gotten now. It's really predatory and I don't like that. I know. Well, like today I got like seven letters from attorneys, envelopes, DVDs, books, uh, like all kinds of stuff. And each one of them sent me a courtesy copy of my accident report, which I thought I was going to have to pay the the, uh, state patrol for. Yeah. But. No, every now I have, you have like, ten. I have like <laughs> exactly. I have a billion copies of my accident uh, that I can read forever. Um, um I, I was gonna say the same thing kind of happens with um, anytime you're in any kind of legal trouble. Like I, I've been going through stuff with my loans because I have some that are in collections, and one of them decided to file mm-hmm. with the court, and I think in. The letter I got telling me about it, there was a business card for a lawyer. And then I got another letter from another lawyer. And I was like, I am not going to any lawyer who is doing that. Like, I don't know you or your credentials at all. Like The one law firm beat all the other ones by literally throwing their stuff in my driveway. They came and threw it in your driveway? I, I had plastic-wrapped, rubber-banded things from them, two of them, weirdly, two of them, laying in my driveway. They didn't. They weren't mailed. They just chucked them in my driveway. They have, like, a newspaper boy <laughs> yeah. for the attorney's office that just, show, like, throws things in the driveway. I think the goal is to get ahead of the people who are using the U.S. mail. That's weird. It is weird. You're not going to make us choose you. Yeah. Well, just... <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, just like I was like, what is this? Uh, and that was the first experience I had with this. Um, and I just didn't know how aggressive all these. Well, they're not, you know, they're not. The lawyers aren't aggressive. They're just sending me letters <clears throat> offering, you know, assistance. Still don't like it. But yeah, the ones. That, Let me reach out to you. The ones that bother me are the people calling me all day <clears throat> trying to schedule me an appointment I don't need. Yeah. I didn't mention, by the way, the accident wasn't my fault. I didn't mention that. I want to make that clear. It was very <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> 
Yes, you were not um, cited for it. It was not your <clears> fault. <throat> yeah. You were stopped at traffic, and someone uh, realized too late that traffic was stopped and was not able to stop in time to avoid causing an accident. The The police report that I have now says the speed was estimated at 45 miles an hour Ugh. of the vehicle hitting me. So that could have gone so much worse. You were very lucky that it happened the way it did. They kind of pushed you off to the side and not directly into the cars in front of you, so that's yeah. good. If I'd have gone straight forward, it would have been <clears throat> immediate impact followed by a secondary impact. Yeah. That would have really messed me up. Mm-hmm. So, um, good news. It's all good. We're still able to do this show because <laughs> one of Dave's us isn't okay. dead. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Yeah, it will be. It's a momentary frustration and setback but in the grand scheme of things yeah it'll be all right i didn't even want to mention it except that it just it feels disingenuous to not mention things it's the thing that happened when we talk about things that happened to us yeah we're like pretty transparent about things on this show yeah i mean i hadn't really talked about my loan issues before too so it's whatever it's not like we have to talk about every little thing but It is kind of a big thing that happened, and you're going to be continuing to deal with for at least a couple weeks here, so. Yeah. It's but all right. It's all right. You got anything else? Because I'm pretty much. No, I, the only thing I got is this game, I think. This... A game, you know, Dave, I don't yeah. know if you know this about me, but I absolutely love games. I do know that about you. I do know yeah, that you I'm like games. I'm so excited. What game are we going to play? Um, I was thinking we could play Trues and Fuse. Really? Yes, Trues and Fnews. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for Trues and Fnews. Time to play Trues and Fnews. Everyone's playing, everyone's playing the famous game, famous game, the game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for Trues and A Merv Griffin production. Trues and Fnews, that classic quiz game with the worst name. (laughs) Now, I I don't think that I've heard this one before. Can you tell me how to play Trues and Fnews? I think I can. If I remember correctly, what's going to happen is I'm going to present you with one true story, two false stories, and you have to discern for me which is the true news or the truths from the false news or the Fnews. Oh, well, that sounds positively simple and not confusing at all. I wonder how many times I'm going to say that in my lifetime. Um, uh, well, so far, with 67 divided by two, <laughs> yeah, right. approximately. That's yeah. how many have said it. Been through this like 30 some odd times. <laughs> um, <clears throat> interesting. But yeah, that's the game. That's what we're going to do. That's what this is. That's how it's played. And that's what's going to happen next. All right. Your eyes got All really right. big. <laughs> yeah. You said it with so much authority. <laughs> this is what is going to happen. Prepare yourself. I'm, I'm all right with it. Let's do this, shoes. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Three stories. Number one, a sample of seal poop recently <laughs> thawed, thawed from cold storage by researchers was found to contain a preserved functioning USB flash drive full of an unknown photographer's nature photos. All right. Number two, for the first time in years, the tomb of Ramesses the Sixth has been opened for the public, and yes, they opened a Starbucks inside. Okay. Number three, 
Two years in and tens of thousands of dollars later, an animal study reveals that lab cockroaches' favorite band is the Beach Boys and their least favorite is Skrillex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Recap, please. <laughs> sure. Uh, number one, uh, a sample of seal poop recently thawed from cold storage by researchers was found to contain, contain a preserved functioning USB flash drive full of an unknown photographer's nature photos. All right. Number two, <clears throat> for the first time in years, the tomb of Ramesses Sixth has been opened to the public. And yes, they opened a Starbucks inside. All right. Number three. Two years in and tens of thousands of dollars later, an animal study reveals that lab cockroaches' favorite band is the Beach Boys, and their least favorite is Skrillex. David. Yeah. These are good. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I feel like this might be one of my uh, one of my worst yet. <laughs> I really do. Mm, I don't think so. I put your odds of getting to this at like 80%. I'm trying to think of a... Can you repeat the second one again? Yes. Second one. For the first time in years, the tomb of the Sixth has been opened to the public. And yes, they opened a Starbucks inside. Okay. Yeah, right? I want to give you my recaps here. All right. Let's hear your recap. I just got to finish writing this one real quick. Dead air, dead air, dead air. Dead, dead air, uh, dead air. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? I think it was Space Ghost, maybe. Oh, that makes sense. Dead air. Uh, dead air. <laughs> okay. What do we got? First one. That seal was one with nature photos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Second. What are the odds that these Starbucks employees are cursed? <laughs> Third. Cockroaches may exist after the apocalypse, but they won't be listening to Skrillex. <laughs> I like your I like your summaries when you do this. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It's now just a, an extra thing we do because I like doing it. I think you and the audience playing along at home have a very strong chance of getting this one, but we'll see. <sighs> I don't think it's number two because I just don't want it to be true. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we determine how things are true around here. I'm just having wishful thinking yeah, right. that they would not do that yeah. to like an artifact, basically. But, yeah. you know, I've been wrong before about the shitty things that people do. Sure. So I could be wrong. Um, I feel like one and three are equally likely. Okay. But studies on cockroaches and making them listen to different music sounds like Something that would happen. Okay. So I'm going to say that number three is real and they like the Beach Boys and don't like Skrillex. While that may be true, it is fnews. What was real? <laughs> you were you were right on splitting it between one and three. Okay. But number one actually happened. They they apparently what they do is they regularly gather like samples of seal poop. I, I don't know why. And then the article that I read was explaining that <sighs> they thaw it and they run it under water. And then they, like, pull it apart with their fingers looking for, like, feathers and things. It sounds well, horrible. It, biologists do all kinds of disgusting things. Yeah. But as much as we know about animals, we don't always know specifics. Like, 
what they're eating or if their diets have changed, especially with like climate change and stuff. Sure. Like there's totally it, things valid are changing reasons. all the time. Yeah, there's there's reasons they sort through poop, but there are people <laughs> who exist that their job is to sort through animal poop all day. Yeah, and pick it apart and find out what's inside it. And in this case, they actually did find a flash drive, and it did. They had to let it dry out for a couple of weeks, but it worked, and they were able to recover like photos of that area of that specific seal <laughs> <laughs> of that seal's mouth, He's just and then the very inside photo of the seal. shy. He's like. <laughs> It's not- I told you I didn't want my picture taken, Murray. <laughs> and to and to punish you, I'm eating your photos. Yes. Well, that's that's a real thing. What was that squeaky noise? Do you hear that? That was me. Oh, that was weird. That was my throat. Weird. It was a thing that I did. Um. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, they still don't know whose photos they are. Hmm. Uh, they've like circulated some stuff on the web, and they're trying to figure out whose they might be, but they still don't know who it belongs to. Interesting. So someone who took. A trip to see nature might find that and recover their photos. Did it seem like it was like a professionals or just like? It didn't say. It okay. didn't specify that uh, to that level of detail. All right. I mean, were there lots of like duck face selfies? Or <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like there were any people in it. Like they yeah. couldn't tie it to anyone. Hmm. Um. So, yeah, I got gotcha. you. interesting. You don't stump me. You know what? I agree. Number three sounds like something they would do. Oh, definitely. And I'm, I'm not I'm not ruling out the fact that they someone has the, yeah, done yeah, some you, kind of study like this. You're right. This might have happened. And if that's the case, then I think. We, I could retroactively win it. You could retroactively win. We so, might need to look into this. No, I'm going to say we don't look into it. We make <laughs> our listeners do it. We're done doing research. You guys figure we're it done. out. We're done. We're we're losing. <laughs> Screw it. If you care, because yeah. we don't care enough to look into it. <laughs> if you guys care, look yeah. up if cockroaches are into Skrillex and let us know. There's got to be an answer to that out there somewhere. I do want to know that. Um, <laughs> so let's move on here to the middle segment real quickly. Um, I'm going to be reading from an email we received. Which is so exciting. Yes. This is still a, a, we just love emails. This is one of the coolest things that has happened on this show since we started doing it, I think. But, yes. But we uh, – so we got uh, an email, which we mentioned previously, from Helen Zuman, who mm-hmm. had written uh, – Let's uh, remind everyone she was – Mating in Captivity. Yeah, the name she of the was book. the author of Mating in Captivity, yes. uh, a book about Zenic Farm. Yes. Um, and we mentioned that she had reached out and, uh, we asked her if there was anything that we could clarify more or anything we had gotten wrong so we could, you know, talk about it on the show and make it right. And so she did listen through and she took some notes. Yes. And I just want to say at the top here, we're so grateful that she, um, a reached out to us, has been in communication with us. And then when we asked for more input, re-listened again and took the time to write a fairly lengthy email to do just that and give us more input and perspective. Yeah. It's a really nice thing to do, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, we really do. I, honestly, it's it, like I said, it's the coolest thing. Yeah, uh, we're like, so excited. Never never expected <laughs> that to happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll, read this, uh, I'll read this letter here from Helen. Um, it starts with, Hi, Christy and Dave. I listened to episode 64 again. You didn't miss or miscast anything critical, and since I did take some notes while listening, I figured I'd go ahead and pass them on. 
Uh, number one, uh, she says it's Zendik Farm singular, not Zendik Farms. We might have got that. Uh, yeah, I know that. I said Zendik Farms mm-hmm. several times. Uh, she <laughs> says Quest is an autobiographical novel, not a memoir. Also, Wolf didn't actually finish it. As of summer 2000, when I was given a copy of the manuscript to take with me on an out, it was a total mess. Credit for the level of coherence it eventually achieved belongs to Chen and Saya, Sia, the two longtime Zendix who wrangled it into readable form. Okay. I didn't realize that. Uh, she says, yes, Zendik the novel is totally forgettable. <laughs> I read the whole thing and I remember nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis hers. Um, so uh, as regards wolfzendik.wordpress.com, which we uh, talked about briefly, uh, it was never an official Zendik site. It's also an unpaid site, hence the WordPress in the URL. So its longevity shouldn't have ha- shouldn't have much to do with the group's demise. Uh, next, that lost beat thing. Yup, that was bullshit. You got that right. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. she said that. Yeah. Yeah, because it was just a thing that uh, didn't. It just didn't scan for us anyway. Yeah. Um, but whatever, you know. Uh, so um, she also says Wolf used the spelling death culture, D-E-A-T-H-K-U-L-T-U-R, um, both for reason, uh, for bo- for two reasons. Uh, she says both, I believe, because he wanted to evoke Hitlerism and because he liked the letter K. Uh, in the early 2000s, Errol started using the spelling death culture, the way you're thinking, uh, yeah. spelled more or less correctly, to be more relatable, I guess. Uh, I like that. Uh, I like that she said that. Um, <clears throat> this is a thing that we talked about specifically from her book. She says, um, "When I asked permission to have sex during that sex meeting, I was doing so uh, because I'd never had sex before, not because that was the usual protocol." Yeah. Very few people arrived at Zendik never having had sex. Permission came into play mostly just in terms of whether a woman could ball or not, which, as you know, depended on whether or not uh, she was deemed. Fertile. Mm. Uh, she said, this is the, our favorite line. Yeah. By the way, I laughed out loud quite a few times in the course of the show. Y'all said some funny shit. <laughs> <laughs> that made us feel really good. Yeah. Uh, she says, having kids continued to be a thorny issue as far as I know till the end. Whether it was okay, continued to interact with your place. Whether it was okay, continued to interact with your place in the hierarchy, Errol's whim, etc. Kids were usually separated from their mothers for some limited period of time, not for their entire upbringing. The stated rationale for this was generally some version of the mother is corrupt, she's fucking your kid up. No one ever said anything about preventing bonding between mother and child. That was an interpretation I came up with later on. Uh, The best way to climb the hierarchy was to fuck someone stationed above you. Your best bet, fucking Errol or Fawn. Mm -hmm. Uh... I gave Zendik a total of $13,300. $300 to begin with, then another thirteen k when I decided to stay. Polyamory never did get sorted out. Jealousy and other forms of volatility remained a thing for the duration. Errol died in 2012, not 2013. It took maybe a year for the stalwarts who were there when she died to depart. We grew a lot of our own food, not most of it. In my time, we spent maybe $500 to $1,500 per week on food. Also, when I was there, we ate lots of meat and fish. From our goats and cows, we got milk and made cheese. I think Zendik had, however, been vegetarian, at least for long periods before that. We didn't sell any produce while I was there. 
That may have happened at other locations. I did hear that the Zendix grew organic wheat for Arrowhead Mills when they were in Texas. Also, there's now another book out that features a thread about Zendik, though Zendik is not the book's focus. It's called Sanction, and she says, I reviewed it here with a link. I'm going to place that link in the description of this episode. Uh, so if you'd like to see what she had to say about that other book and its focus, or it's, you know, the, uh, the, what it had to say about Zendik. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I suppose she probably reviewed the entirety of the book. So, yeah. Um, but that's it. <clears throat> that's yeah. our letter from Helen, which that was so great to read and get further clarification on, you know, there's certain things that I think would be easy to misinterpret. And so much that we just, understand the culture. we just can't know or yes. fully grasp because we weren't there and like i said before we're just two people who are reading shit on the internet and pretending like we know anything about it to say that we don't know yeah. stuff you know like we do research in like a day or two we find what we can mm-hmm. sometimes it's really difficult and especially with some of these groups that like Finding the information can be a little bit hard, especially from, like, a first-person source. I was lucky with Zendik because she had written a book about it. Yeah, right. And that I hadn't finished, but I still had some, like, insight from that. Mm -hmm. But, like, a a lot of the times we don't have that. No, yeah. So We're very often not dealing with, like, primary sources. As much as there's a part of me, I, I think like with most people where like I don't want to be told I'm wrong about things. Yeah. I try <laughs> sure. very hard to like swallow my pride, especially in regards to this podcast and be like, but you don't know shit because you're just like <laughs> reading what other people have said and piecing it together. Or yeah. Pretending that's special. We do our best. <laughs> we do our best. We do what we can, but we're not we're not above making, you know, we make mistakes and we might not get everything 100 percent right. So. Having someone take the time to yeah give us more details and, and really, a, a better perspective is really valuable. It interested me, like, what other aspects of sort of the Zendik structure might have been implied without being directly said. You know, like yeah. when she mentioned that specifically about the, the implications of the, the reasons that children were taken away and all that, like, I find that very interesting. How much well, might have just been Im- implicit. yeah. I I think with a lot of cults, that's the case. I mean, no one's going to come out and be like, well, we're doing this to manipulate you. (laughs) I mean, it's all subtle manipulations. At the time, at least it feels subtle. After the fact, you go, oh, like that was obvious. Like something was wrong there. But that's how it happens. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of things that, that Zendik and other groups aren't straightforward about. But, yeah, you know, the... There's a whole lot of things we could think about them as far as why they were motivated to do what they did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, super excited about that email. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that gave us a lot of clarification on certain things, and uh, and we made it, her laugh. That's <laughs> yeah, that made that's the most important thing to me. That made us feel very <laughs> good about ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, it's kind of funny how like a compliment like that could just put a little glow around you for a week or two. Yeah, but and it as really much did. as like. I take pride in the research and stuff, but we are a comedy and research podcast. We're trying we, to be entertaining. We try to be as lighthearted as possible, despite the fact that sometimes it can be difficult. Yeah, right. We try to, you know, take the piss out of things. Yeah, right. 
Uh, and uh, and so that was great. And so thank you uh, to Helen for writing us that letter, and uh, and just in general for writing the book, for giving us something to talk about, yeah, you know, and for sharing that with uh, with us and with the rest of the world. Um. So with that, why don't we take ourselves a little brick brick? A little brick brick. We will come back in a minute with the main segment for the episode. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Is, is that is that good for you? Is it good for you? It's pretty good for me. It's good for me. All right. Bye. We're back. Are we back? We're back. We are back. Yes. Yep, we're back. You're doing a weird repetitive thing today, <laughs> even more so than usual. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with me. No, it's okay. Uh, obvious head injury. <laughs> you don't have a head injury. <laughs> no, Stop I, it. I don't. I don't. That, I, that we know of. You don't. I'm going to be leading on this for the rest of my life now. Yes. <laughs> Just now they say to... about head injuries. Yeah. Serial killers. What? Is a lot a- of serial killers, they, they're they like, yeah. Or like sociopaths are like, oh, yeah, they had a head injury. Really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. So, so you, can get, you can get conked on your noggin hard enough that you want to murder. I mean, it, it can change your personality. Huh. It might. It, it wouldn't specifically be like, you should murder. But it can fuck with your head. And yeah. even like enough um, concussions. I mean, that's why sports have been like changing how they handle that because it can it can really i once knew someone i didn't know him when it happened but he was a friend of someone i knew Mm -hmm. uh, after the fact but in high school he played football and he had had like several concussions and was at the point where like if he admitted he had had one more they're gonna be like you can't play football and um the last one he had like he was fine, like he was getting through every day, everything seemed normal, and then like one day, several months later, he woke up and just couldn't remember the last several months. Oh my like god. he just didn't remember it. He had lived every day, he'd done everything normally, he had no recollection of it. That's really scary. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Our brains are like really weird. Yeah, and super fragile. It's like, it's like if you compare it. To a computer, it's like the disk got corrupted. Like, the hard drive got corrupted yeah. in that spot and, like, just couldn't remember anything from that segment of time. That's really he, like, upsetting. came out of it one day and was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's kind of awful. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing that your brain can do. Weird. That's a great new thing I can uh, uh, torture myself with while I'm trying to fall asleep. You, you haven't had that many concussions. No. Have you ever had a concussion? I don't think so. I don't think I've had one either. Yeah. But then maybe if I did, I wouldn't know it. Well, I mean, that's like if you have several. <laughs> I know. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm screwed around today. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just being goofy. Should I do the topic? Yeah, let's do the topic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I decided... To bite the bullet mm-hmm. and do a topic we've discussed multiple times in passing. Yes. 
finally got on with it and did Rosicrucianism. Yes. It's been on the list so long. Uh, yes. It's, it's just odd that we never did it. But yeah, this it was time. has a lot of connections with a lot of other topics and possible future topics. Um, it is kind of a difficult thing. It, it's like eight pages, give or take, probably six or seven full pages yeah. of information. There's a lot here. <laughs> the first thing like I it. want to start with is um, what the rosy cross is. Um, it's what the Rosicrucianism is based on. It's the common thread. It's a cross with an unfolding rose in the center of it. Oh. And it's an ancient symbol adopted by many religious and pagan groups. Okay. Um, it can be interpreted many different ways. You find it all over the place, especially in association with some secret organizations and Freemason groups and, and okay. all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so Rosicrucianism is one of those. Okay. So the origins are that there were three manifestos that revealed truths about the Rosy Cross that had been concealed from the average man but could bring fulfillment and salvation to the tutored adept. Oh, okay. So already secret literature. Yes. So the first manifesto, and uh, I believe these were written, I don't know if they were written in German. It seems like they were found in Germany or written in Germany or something like that. First one is called uh, Fama Fraternitatis in 1614, which translates to the fame of the Brotherhood of the Rosicrucians. Um, this discusses the legend of Father Brother CRC, which later is revealed to be a person named Christian Rosenkreutz. Okay. I think I saw a couple different spellings of the last name. One is R-O-S-E-N-K-R-E-U-Z. And one was like R-O-S-E-N-K-R-E-U-T-Z. Like there was an extra T in there in some of the spellings. But either way, very, very close to the name they settled on. Yes. Rosenkreutz. Yeah. Rosy Cross. Rosicrucian. Yeah, it's all tied together. Yeah. Um, he was a German doctor and mystic philosopher. I, I say he was, but keep in mind, this is from a manifesto. Yeah. From the 1600s, and I'll get into later how likely it is if it's legit or yeah, not, like, and like all that what, stuff. What validity um, survives? Yeah. So he he's said to be a German doctor and mystic philosopher, born in 1378, lived supposedly 106 years. He was the last surviving member of an assassinated German noble family. He studied in the Middle East under various masters. Um, some people say he um, studied Sufism, which is like Islamic mysticism. That sounds familiar. Um, other things I I saw said he was he went to like uh, monasteries and stuff like that, and basically traveled around and collected this knowledge. And he was unable to spread his knowledge to prominent European scientists and philosophers. So instead, he gathered a small circle of friends and disciples. And founded the Rosicrucian Order in around approximately 1407. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of things. 
It sounds like Jesus, right? It sounds like Jesus, but it also reminds me of the claims made about Joseph Smith that he had, you know, like uh, learned that all the other religions had gotten something right, but most of it wrong kind of thing. And I'm the one that's got this, you know, secret knowledge that I can share. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think it's a claim made a lot of the time uh, by by people like this. Yeah. It so does, <laughs> you're right, though, the disciples I wrote and everything. Jesus Christ much? Just rip off the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> or Dionysus, for that matter. Yeah. All right. So during the lifetime of the Rosicrucian, uh, during his lifetime, Christian Rosencruces, uh, the Rosicrucian order supposedly had no more than eight members at a time. They were all sworn bachelors. They were all doctors. They all took an oath to heal the sick without payment, to maintain a secret fellowship, and to find their own replacement before their death. Um, there were approximately three generations of, you know, people in this organization between 1500 and 1600. Okay. That's just, you know, a little bit of side info. So the second manifesto was published in 1615, and it's called Confessio Fraternitatis, which is the confession of the brotherhood of the Rosicrucians. Mm. It declared the existence of a secret society of alchemists and sages following pious Christian principles and planning intellectual enlightenment of Europe. (laughs) Your eyes got real big. Well, it's like, it's like. This appeals to the like a very specific kind of interest I have in history of these like secret societies. It's and, really cool. Yeah, right? like it's like national treasure shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'll talk about that later. No, I won't go into detail, but it does come up. Sure. Uh, not national treasure, but uh... <laughs> oh, but please, please let uh, Nicolas Cage be involved. No, not that one. What's the other one? Oh, um, what the other one? Uh, the book. Oh, Da Vinci Code. Yes. Yes. Ah, yeah. So the third manifesto is called, <laughs> you're so good at knowing the name of Dan Brown novels. Um, <laughs> that's not what the manifesto is called. No, no, that's not. <laughs> the manifesto was published in 1616. It's called, it's even better than that. It's called The Chemical, C-H-Y-M-I-C-A-L, mm-hmm. Wedding of Christian Rosencruz. It's an Chemical wedding? The, the chemical wedding of Christian Rosencruz. <laughs> it's an allegorical tale of Christian Rosencruz using alchemy to assist in the wedding of a king and queen in a strange and magical castle. That's interesting. He used alchemy to marry them? I don't know the details. Use chemicals. That sounds sciencey Al- enough. Alchemical. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, um, very interesting to me. So, but this is supposedly an allegory. It's it's not like, like this he, is a thing I'm claiming to actually have done. Like they are reading this as an allegory too. They're writing yeah. and reading it as one. Yes. Okay. Um, so just a, a brief thing that I want to include. Um, I found this in one of those sources I used that what we know of Christian Rosencruz's death, I say in quotes, is that his body lies somewhere in a geometrically proportioned cave, incorrupt, and bathed in white light from an unseen source. Wow. So this is like what is told to the Rosicrucians, I guess, or what they perpetuate. Yeah. Um, but there's no real details on how he actually died or if he really lived 106 years or if he ever really existed or any of that. I know it's a geometric cave, but I wonder what shape it is. Right. And there's so many questions. And then the cave thing made me think of Jesus again. And yeah, the right, white the tomb thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the manifestos gained some attention. Occult and science leaders tried to make contact with the secret society. 
Um, some people who were supposedly involved or tried to make contact were uh, Rene Descartes, uh-huh. William Shakespeare, and Sir Francis Bacon. There's a bit about Bacon. There's a bit about Bacon. <laughs> some think he was a secret society member, and he may have written the first two manifestos. Oh. Um, some Rosicrucians claim he wrote Shakespeare's works. Oh, really? And was also he was also a member of a Templar society. Um, and the Knights Templar bore some the same rose color cross as the Crusaders. Oh. So there's a connection there. Interesting. Um, I think an episode on Sir Francis Bacon yeah. could be cool. Sir Francis Bacon uh, theories might be very interesting. There's yeah, I mean, I don't know how few... much is there, if that's the brunt of it, or if, hmm, yeah, hmm, who if, knows? If there's not, we'd go in another direction with it. Yeah. But that's um, very interesting. So, I'm just putting a little note there that that's something to add to the list. Yeah. On to page three. Um, the manifestos are not taken literally by many. A lot of people consider them either to be a hoax or just allegorical statements. The manifestos themselves state, We speak unto you by parables, but would willingly bring you to the right, simple, easy, and ingenuous exposition understanding declaration and knowledge of all secrets wow that's a that's quite a big promise yes <laughs> all secrets and all those uh all those ways of interacting with them yeah the big thing among rosicrucians seems to be well yeah i'll get into that later mm-hmm. um because that's more about the modern versions okay um the first manifesto is said to be inspired by a philosopher called heinrich Karoth of hamburg and he wrote the Amphitheatrum Sapientiae Aeternae hmm. in 1609. He was influenced by John Dee, who wrote Monas Hieroglyphica in 1564. Okay. Now, the third manifesto, The Chemical Wedding of Christian Rosencruz, uh, opens with John Dee's philosophical key, the Mona Hieroglyphica symbol. Okay. So it has that symbol in it. Um, the writer of the Third Manifesto claimed the Brotherhood possessed a book that resembled the works of Paracelsus. So there's all these connections with other philosophers and yeah, all this stuff. What's that? What's that symbol you said? Uh, the Mona Hieroglyphica. Do you know symbol. what that is? I don't know what it looks like, and okay. I don't have my phone down that's, here. Well, that's okay. But it, um, I would like to look that up later because I've yeah. never heard that described before yeah it's whatever he uses in in his book to like signify his book um so another important character who plays a role in this is johan valentin andrie uh who lived from 1586 to 1654 he claimed that the third manifesto was his work and he also said it was a ludibrium which is a Latin word meaning a trivial game. Oh, okay. Um, in later works, he ridicules alchemy and <clears throat> and other things as well, kind of saying they're like soft sciences. They're not. They're not. They're not the real thing. You know. Yeah. Right. Um. And also, like the he included the arts in that, like things I do not agree with, but also some of it, I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can't. Turn things into gold that aren't gold. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, I, I'm with him on the alchemy thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
His role in the origin of Rosicrucianism was generally accepted, but some consider it controversial. So some don't necessarily accept that he was as heavily involved as he claimed to be. Mm-hmm. Also in the 1960s, there was a hoax that claimed um, Johann as one of the grand masters of the Priory of the Scion, which figures prominently in the Da Vinci Code. Oh. So there's the connection to the Da Vinci Code. Okay. God, these secret societies all kind of cross They all paths. get around. It's it's interesting because they're all trying to do the same thing, I feel like. Yeah. Which is like, and they just have slightly different motivations or ways of going about it. Yeah. It's mostly like adding a layer of mystery onto real life, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I feel well, like Well, I think it's something a lot of people do today. It's yeah. just we have the internet, so it's harder to do. Uh, it's harder yeah. to get away with. But there's been all kinds of examples of like – you know the little games people play on the internet where, like, they plan a bunch of clues and then people have to go around trying to solve these mysteries. It's yeah. stuff like that. You want to feel like you're special and you're figuring something out. Yeah. And it's cool to read about this stuff from, like, the 16th century because you're like, oh, we're just the same as we've always been. <laughs> yeah. We have the same sort of ob- obsession and, and fascination with the the mystical. and Yeah. Adding a layer of magic to over top the regular human existence. Yeah. So in the early 17th century, the manifestos caused some excitement. Um, they declared the existence of the secret brotherhood of alchemists and sages who were preparing to transform arts, sciences, religion, and political and intellectual landscape of Europe. Okay. Um, at that time, there were religious and political wars. Uh, the manifestos, which is basically... My way of saying, like, this is why people were excited by this because they're like, oh, no, like, we need something to change because shit's going down. (laughs) Um, The manifestos were reissued several times and between 1614 and 1620, approximately 400 manuscripts and books were published discussing these manifestos. So they were generating talk. Like, people were writing about these manifestos and... I'm sure they were discussing, you know, whether or not they were real or what it really meant and, and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So one, one big thing that happened was in Paris in 1622, two mysterious posters appeared within a couple of days of each other. The first said, we, the deputies of the higher college of the Rosy Cross, do or you know, the French version of that. Yeah. Do make our stay visibly and invisibly in this city. Oh. Uh, the second poster ended with, the thoughts attached to the real desire of the seeker will lead us to him and him to us. So their way of saying, if you need to yeah. be involved in the secret society, we'll find each other. Yeah, that's, oh God, that's so creepy. And that's, isn't that also <laughs> cool? Because it's like, you, everyone wants to think that it could be them. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's their way of being like, oh, no, don't worry. Like, if you're meant to know, you'll know. Yeah. And some people are going about, some people hear about this and go out their day just waiting for this. The They're other like, shoe to when drop. is this person going to pop out and be like, you? Yeah. <laughs> we need you. So from there, that's the general background of it. General background. Uh-huh. And there's, <laughs> so I can't say enough how much information there is 
that I didn't get into because it's all like, well, this inspired this person and he wrote this, but that person wrote this. But then some people think he said this and they did this and then it inspired these five other offshoot seeker societies and they're doing this and they use this symbol too. And it's like, <laughs> what do really? I talk about? It's craziness. I, mean, I knew there were a number of secret societies, but really. It's, I mean, so far we've talked about Freemasons. Uh-huh. Uh, we've talked about the Knights Templar, the Knights Templar. We've talked about, um, the other one, the Scion one that was in Dan Brown's novels. So that's like three right there. Yeah. And they're all just kind of like interplaying with each other. And that's just the old school secret society bullshit. We're not even into the new school, new age bullshit yet. We're about to be All right. So (laughs) let's start. With that sweet modern Rosicrucianism. Okay. There are many groups inspired by this movement. Um, you just, there's just so many. Yeah. But the two main ones that I found information about that seem to be pretty active today are the Rosicrucian Fellowship. That's going to be the first one I talk about. They're set in Oceanside, California. Mm-hmm. The founder is Max Heindel, who states that he was selected by the elder brothers of the order up a mountain in Germany and mandated to bring the secrets of the the Crooks Rosa or Rosie Cross to the yeah. US. Um they claim to be an international association of Christian mystics. Uh they basically have like correspondence courses and in in the information of you know the Rosicrucians. And the church embraces much of the conventional Christian doctrine, with some exceptions, specifically uh, one of them being the non-divinity of Christ. So they don't think of Christ as like son of God kind of thing, but they're generally Christian. Okay. Like I imagine it – I mean what do they think of him as something kind of like a – Like a prophet or something, like an important figure in history or maybe even part of like the group. Yeah. But not – not son of God. Yeah. Um, the second one, which I personally, I found more information on. So maybe that's why I find them more interesting, but they're the ones we've heard of before. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, which ones? This is the one that we have some of their material from Kirsten. Okay. Um, the Rosicrucian order is what they're generally referred to, but I kept seeing, um, A-M-O-R-C after it, which translates to Ancient and Mystical Order of the Rosai Crucius. So that's the full name of that one. Okay. Their founder is Harvey Spencer Lewis. Um, He says, they say that the Rosie Cross represents the human body and its consciousness opening up. They steer away from the traditional Christian connections. Okay. Um, they claim that the hidden knowledge of the Rosicrucians goes back through secret doctrines of Jesus Christ and Pythagoras back to ancient Gnosis of an Egyptian pharaoh, mm. um, which is why they have an Egyptian museum at their headquarters in San Jose, California, which okay. is where we got some the coins and stuff from there. Yeah. Um, they extrapolate the origins almost two millennia before Christ. That's why they kind of distance themselves from the Christianity. Okay, because really for them, he's just a piece of a very long it's, story. Yeah, it goes further back than that. They also, they try to play it a little more 
coy with the religion to, I think, to include more people. Sure. They do the thing that Scientology does where they go, you can be any religion and believe in this. This is a philosophy you can adopt with any religion. Right. I don't know in reality how well that works, but that's one of their claims. Okay. Um, They encourage followers to set up an altar that they call a telesterion containing images of Egyptian deities like the sun god Amun-Ra. Amun-Ra. They say they're not a religion, but they provide tools for people to find their own spirituality through things like meditation, self-healing, and um, they want them to lead a life that brings fulfillment and happiness. They're they're new agey, basically. That sounds like a very just sort of like – generally humanist at this point uh the specific just wait. the specific egyptian stuff kind of throws it but other yeah, than just, that just wait okay <laughs> all right um one of their higher-ups i think in the uk side of the organization I was quoted to say we have traditions of which we don't have any proof in which it is not necessary to believe which help with that meaning the bringing fulfillment and happiness mm-hmm but we are not like many who call themselves Rosicrucians who are just quasi-religious organizations, some of whom, dare I say, are a little bit wacky. Which to me <laughs> seemed like some pretty specific shade thrown yeah. at like the Rosicrucian Fellowship. Yeah, right. That's a glove slap. That's asking for a duel. Um, but they themselves have been accused of some of this wackiness. <laughs> Including, and I use wacky tongue-in-cheek here because this is a serious accusation. Oh, boy. Um, They were accused of indoctrination and mind control by an individual named Pierre S. Freeman, who said this went on for about 24 years of his life. Oh, my God. Um, He wrote a book called The Prisoner of San Jose, and San Jose is where their headquarters are. Mm -hmm. Um, So aside from that, which is a little bit damning, wasn't able to find too, too much specifically stating that this was a cult. Okay. But some of the red flags are there. It's interesting because I wonder, like, typically, okay, so typically when there's that kind of stuff happening in an organization, it will find its way out, right? Typically, because people, yeah. people and we, keep quiet forever. To be fair, I haven't read that book. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's in it. I don't know what specific claims he makes, mm-hmm. how literal he's being about being a captive. Sure. Or if he just feels taken advantage of and, you know, likely he could be in. Yeah. I'll get into in a minute here. You could see. The thing I'm thinking is that this is an organization like 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 many others that like exists to keep secrets. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder. And it's, I will say like. It was a secret society, but it seems these modern groups aren't really secretive. Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. They're, they're more like, oh, well, yes, I was told to share the secrets of the organization. And everyone who heads up one of these modern versions does the same thing where they're okay. like, I was called upon by the secret organization to share this because we need to know this knowledge, that okay. kind of thing. Gotcha. So it is um, more open in that way. Yes. One of the sources, one of the articles I read said that um, this is basically a low-pressure, less expensive Scientology built on New Age beliefs instead of L. Ron Hubbard's beliefs. Okay. Um, they You send in a few hundred dollars a year for your membership, and in return you get printed lessons for study that teach you their, their mystical belief system. 
and their keys to universal wisdom. They're very big about like your life can be better. You can be more fulfilled. Mm. Um, there are just secrets you don't know. And those, as soon as you know these things, everything's going to make sense. Those and, are the core promises of Scientology. Mm -hmm. And this appeals to people in general. That's why a lot of groups use these kind of promises. Yeah. This appeals to people who are seekers, who are like, mm -hmm. I feel like something's missing or I want to know my true purpose. Yeah. It doesn't really appeal to people like us who are like, atheists and not really spiritual and are like well i mean there is no true purpose it's chaos and it's miserable and you just have to try to find a way to get through it <laughs> that's my philosophy yeah, to, to people who see the world as bleakly as we can yeah. uh, it's sort of like yeah fuck it you know i'm not as curious of a person i am right i don't think there's a meaning of life but there's you know? but there is a part of us that i think is interested in like self-help and interested in like know, yeah. knowing the best ways to do various things but yeah but we're, we're never also gonna... very skeptical so yeah. it balances that right but there are other people out there who aren't like that and do feel pulled to the belief that there is an answer to those questions and there is a common thread mm -hmm. that is you know beyond them and that they can learn and it can be revealing to them yeah so um you within this group you can reach various levels or degrees based on how much study material you've purchased and read. That uh, it, it, bells are ringing. <laughs> yep. So within the first five years, um, you can accomplish the three neophyte degrees, the first atrium through the third atrium. And then you move on to the temple section from the first temple degree through the ninth temple degree. Uh, at this point, this includes topics such as mental alchemy, Telepathy, telekinesis, vibraturgy, and radiosthesia. Whoa. Cosmic protection and mystical regeneration. Attunement with the cosmic consciousness. And also, as a member of the group, you can request magical assistance. And to me, this was like a prayer request. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's like a, pr a pr prayer request yeah, like, line. I would like magical assistance. And it's like, I will put out some good vibes to you. Wow. So they all those things that you just mentioned are things that they think they can teach you to do, like yes. telekinesis. And I don't know what Seems mental like alchemy it. is, but whatever. And I don't know what vibraturgy and radiesthesia are, but it, it seems new age stuff, you know? Sure. Um, And the article I got some of this information from, which I'm going to say my sources at the end, um, said at this point, Seems pretty standard for one of these new age groups that does this sort of thing. Okay. Except we need to talk about one more person. Oh, boy. It sounds like you saved an ace up your sleeve here. This is what the article did, too. And I was like, <laughs> I was trying to finish the research before we did the podcast. And I'm sitting there thinking I'm done. And then I came to this part and I was like, well, shit. I have to talk about this. <laughs> Okay. So this individual is named William Walker Atkinson. Okay. Have you heard of him? I have not heard of him. I had not, but we kind of have, I'm okay. sure. So he has written over 100 books under various pseudonyms. Mm. He's credited as one of the principal architects of the New Thought movement. His works inspired The Secret. Um, wow. Many principal writings of Dharmic movement of 
the Dharmic movement of the 60s were written by, you know, different swamis and yogis were actually written by him under pseudonyms. Wow. No kidding. So most of his writing is for this like new thought, new age movement and encouraging it and writing about it under different pseudonyms and things like that. Except one which uh, seeks to reveal one of these specific No kids Under the name Magus Incognito, which if you don't know that's a pseudonym, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I wonder if that's his real name. I wonder name. if Incognito is hiding something. Um, oh, nice. The, the book is called The Secret Doctrine of the Rosicrucians. He claims that the true Rosicrucian order doesn't accept fees, there's no formal organization, and it is secret. Mm. So he believes in the Rosicrucian order, he just doesn't believe that these guys have anything to do with it. Wow, okay. He then gives away the content of the Rosicrucian degrees. Oh, no kidding. And you may ask, why would he write this? So out of character, and how would he know the content of the Rosicrucian degrees if he's not a member of the organization? That was my question. How did he get this information? Well, it seems that Harvey Spencer Lewis, the founder of this group, heavily borrowed from Yogi Ramacharaka, who was actually William Walker Atkinson. Okay. So um, Atkinson got a little salty that he was heavily borrowed from. He starts seeing information about this group yeah. and the things that they're teaching and goes, <clears throat> fucker stole my shit. Yeah, right. I will destroy them. So he wrote this. He wrote this book um, to put the information out there, be like, hey, this was mine. Dude ripped me off. He's not really a Rosicrucian. It is a secret society. It does still exist. It's secret. You can't just join it for 300 a year and be given the wisdom. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the article, they said something that was funny to me, which was, so mote it be, which is one of their, how they end communications a lot. It's, so mote it be? So mote it be, which means so shall it be. Huh. And it's like they use it kind of like amen. It's kind of like old English isn't it? Yeah, like you say... You say, you know, a piece of wisdom and we would all repeat, so mote it be. Yeah, right. It does sound like a refrain. Yeah. So quickly want to state my sources. Um, There's the article Skeptoid from um, Skeptoid with Brian Dunning. I think it's a podcast or it was a podcast, but then they had the article on the page. You could listen to it. I just didn't have time to actually listen to it. Um. And it's called What's Up with the Rosicrucians, and this was from 2009. Okay. And then another one also from 2009, weirdly, from the Cult Education Institute called Cross Purposes, Who Are the Rosicrucians by Paul Valelli. And then, of course, information from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And then, so just a weird thought that I kept having. <laughs> okay. Was like all of this, all the secret society stuff and trying to figure out like who are these people and who wrote it and how was it motivated and is it real or is it a hoax? And it struck me as like if years and years and years from now people started following the philosophies of Chuck Tingle (laughs) and took him seriously and were like trying to decode like what he meant. 
and who he is and yeah, all this stuff. Trying like, to extrapolate from things that are really there. It kind of seems like people having fun and just playing a little game with themselves or maybe with some friends. Yeah. And then down the road, people were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the meaning of life. Yeah, this is the secrets of the universe uh, written uh, for us. Uh, and, and maybe not so. Yeah. That so is just that's so what it struck me as. And then one more thing to end on. Okay. AMORC. Yeah. Has a local chapter. What? There are current meetups in Youngstown. Shut up. There's one this month. Shut up. We could go if we want to go. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, I don't know exactly. They have the information just out there. Yeah. Like with where it is and everything. So I don't know if we could just show up and be like, hey, we're interested in learning about this. Yeah. Or if we would need to like reach out to someone and be like, hey, we're interested in this. Is it cool if we come? But if we wanted to go. Yeah. We could go. I, I wonder what the reaction would be if we showed up and said, <laughs> hi, we're skeptics and we're intent on not giving you any money. But we would love to talk with you about this. I mean, you don't announce it that way. Right. But I mean, that's kind of like what they will get out of it. Yeah. I mean, if, if we show up and we're like, I, I mean, here's the honest truth. We are interested in it and we're curious about it. Yeah, we More are. More specifically, I'm curious to know how they handle it locally. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. what their beliefs are locally. Because, you know, every chapter of an organization has some differences. They might yeah. not adhere to like the specifics of the larger group. Right. So it could just be people who believe in a lot of the new age stuff and believe in these philosophies. But like, I want to know how far along are these people in, in the like educational system of this group? Yeah. Do they believe in telekinesis and things like that? Do they think they've achieved it? Yeah. Like, do, they, do they think anyone has? Or can't. If not themselves. Yeah. Like, what do they think of the knowledge, the secret knowledge that's been given to them? Do they think that it's changed their lives? Like, yeah. that's super interesting, right? Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. So that's something we'll think about. <laughs> it would be kind of cool to go and just show up and just, just See what ask happens. some questions. Yeah. Not to be dicks, but just to be like, what do you guys think? Yeah. Like, Right. We yeah. want to know. Yeah. Like not there to challenge anyone. I just would like to, someone to explain to me everything. Or maybe think. even we can reach out to someone individually and be like, hey, full disclosure, we do a podcast. Yeah. We want to know more about how the local group works and what you believe. Would you be willing to talk about it? Yeah. We could also do that. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll see if we want to do anything like that. You guys can let us know if you would like us to do something like that. Yeah. It's all good. But that's it. That's all I got. That's the Rosicrucians. Again, there's there's more. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. Well, I, <laughs> I, I love that, that there's this web of secret societies that all are kind of like aware of each other and similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, we still have a lot of those. We still have a great remaining number of secret societies. Well, it's like the the Freemasons and the Illuminati. And then you have the yeah. people who believe in reptilians who basically say the reptilians are the Illuminati and it's the same thing. And then yeah. it's, all this stuff is overlapping. But then when you talk to people like, for example, like Freemasons and you're like, what do you guys do? Like they're like, you know, they're, well, they're like, yeah, we do charity. 
there's like the Freemasons, yeah. the like physical absolute what we know of the free actual Freemason lodges, and yeah. then there's the Freemasons, uh, like organizations. They're like the secret society yeah. part of it. I think like I. I Maybe think most general people who are like Freemasons are like, no, it's just a group. It's like a fraternal order. It's like Moose Lodge, you know? It's yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I guess what? You have to like either be like born into it or you have to save a Freemason's life. Did you know that? No. I heard that if you – I could be wrong. I might have to check this. But I it heard sounds one of the, like the movie Santa Claus. <laughs> it's it's goofy, but it's like apparently if you save a Freemason's life, you could be brought into the Freemasons. Okay. I need to Google that. <laughs> okay, dear. This is what we do. We find out who's a Freemason. Yeah. I know people that are like – All right, all right. Freemasons well, are connected to the Freemasons. Okay. okay. I'm going to push one into traffic and you're going to save them. <laughs> And you're going to be a Freemason. <laughs> and then you're going to get me in. Okay. We'll figure something out. Well, You'll like choke on an apple and again. I'll. They're going to recognize you as the girl that pushed him into traffic. Oh, no. I'll do it really secretly. <laughs> okay. I'll wear like a cloak. You like come by with a lasso? Yank no, him into the road? No. I'm just going to be fully cloaked. Okay. Um, And I'll push him. <laughs> and run away. This is very much in line with uh, our more moral view of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not really going to be in any real danger. <laughs> really? No, we'll make You're sure he's not in real danger. Yeah. No, we'll see to we'll that. We'll figure this out. <laughs> we'll figure this out. But you're going to get into the Freemasons. Sure thing. And then you're going to like choke on a grape or something. Uh-huh. And I'm going to save you. And right. that's going to get me into the Freemasons. Are women allowed in the Freemasons? I don't think they let Can ladies in the Freemasons. have vaginas? I think they're only free, ma- free men. Sins. Free men sins. Yeah, there's no uh, free How about free men sees? Because <laughs> I've, I've given that away. <laughs> if anyone wants to take it off my hands. You know... We don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> do we not? No. You know what? I take it back. We definitely do. We definitely do. Yeah. The sees. That's the organization <laughs> I belong to. It's the ladies Freemasons. It's the ladies Freemasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> this has been fun. Yeah. This has been fun. I really appreciated uh, the research you did there. Uh, I didn't know yeah. really anything about them other than the little bit we knew from that uh, from that little flyer. Yeah, there. which sounded good, right? Yeah, the, like it's all about peace. Yeah, and I think probably at the core of like most people's experience of of the Rosicrucian Order, right? It's, that's it's probably, probably pretty accurate. That's probably what most people and actually experience, and that's what most people are striving for. Yes. I, I think that really is what most people who get into this want. Yeah, I think the the whole thing of like magic powers as you move up the line has got to be a thing that not everyone is invested in or doing. Yeah, I mean, but there is something to be said for like there are people who believe a lot of new age stuff and like telekinesis and like having abilities like that isn't it isn't that outlandish. Yeah. It might not be as exaggerated as we think of it when we think of telekinesis. It might be like on a lower level. Yeah. But there's all there's a lot of people that believe in like ghosts and mediums mm-hmm. than people that can talk to spirits mm-hmm. and work manipulate the spirit world and stuff like that. And I think that it all kind of goes hand in hand. Okay. All that stuff. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
essentially it's supernatural. It's not that outlandish to some people, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shrug. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Well, that was interesting. I'd like to know more about some of these other. I'd like to just know more about secret. We should do like a whole bunch of episodes on secret society. We have a bunch on our list, and yeah. uh, I want to add Sir Francis Bacon. Uh huh. And yeah. I'm I've already added uh, William Atkinson. Okay. Because I didn't realize that there's just a guy who's so prolific. That's in the weird, right? Yeah, it is weird. And why does he have to keep doing it under pseudonyms? Well. It also is the way that you would grow a movement to make it appear organic. That's true, more legitimate. Yeah, to make it appear organic where everyone's having all these thoughts when in reality one everyone's person is Everyone's on board. This. Yeah. It's really just a hundred different people that are the same person. Yeah, because like, I feel like with like basically a hundred sleeper cells, you could convince anyone that like there's a big movement brewing. Yeah. So he's an interesting fellow. Yeah, we'll have to look into him as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, I guess then that has been it. This was it. This was an episode of Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Uh, thanks for listening. I uh, done chased that goose. <laughs> you done chased it good. We actually, <laughs> we heard geese outside before the uh, episode, so it was a good omen. Yeah, I was yeah. like, hey, that's appropriate. You're like, maybe. <laughs> I think I said, it's something. Yeah, so you said, it's something. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so keep sending us as always your suggestions, your emails. Uh, we love hearing from you. Uh, thanks again to Helen for reaching out to us. And, uh, yes. and, uh, I guess we will see you next week with another episode of Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Have a good one. Um, bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at GooseChasePod, and our website is www.GooseChasePodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at GooseChasePodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 